The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey, uh, when you were a kid, did you ever imagine what it would be like to be a superhero with superpowers? I think that's probably a pretty common you know, dream when you're a kid, uh, whether it was uh, Superman or Spider-Man, Batman, Aqua Woman, uh, no, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Anybody else have any other you know, favorite superheroes you wish you could be? Somebody in the second service said, the Hulk. I was like, really? He's like kind of angry, you know, but I guess, I guess that's okay. Um, well, you know, I, I think it's okay. That's a good thing when, you know, when you're a kid, but you know, kind of the underlying, you know, reason behind that is that we, we envy their, their superpowers. Like we want to be able to fly. We want to be able to, you know, shoot spider webs or whatever it is. We're, we're envious of their abilities. Now, when you're a kid, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's pretty harmless. You know, uh, it's pretty healthy and normal. Normal, but it's not harmless and it's not healthy when you grow up and you're an adult and you become jealous and envious of the other people around you and their stuff and their abilities and their career. That's when it becomes uh, deadly and unhealthy. And so today we're going to continue our series on the seven deadly sins. And I want us to look at uh, begin by looking at our key verse for this series. Uh, it's, it's Hebrews 12.1. And this passage tells us what sin can do in our lives. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, I want you to underline the words, slows us down, because that's exactly what sin does in our life. In fact, sin is anything that in our lives that would keep us from being what God created us to be. Anything in our life that keeps us from living the life that God wants us to live. We know the Bible says that, that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, to have it more complete. And so anything that gets in the way of that is, is sin. And so this verse says that God wants to strip all that away and he wants to replace it with something better. So what is envy? Envy is this unhealthy desire for someone else's stuff, uh, traits, abilities, status, situation. That's what envy is. Now, of all the seven deadly sins, there's something different about envy. Envy stands out for a couple of reasons. First of all, envy is the only one that's listed in the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? Commandment number 10, thou shalt not what? covet, right? Uh, in other words, God's basically saying, you know, don't desire something that someone else has. Don't envy. Don't become jealous. But secondly, envy is also different in that it's the only one on this list that really has no pleasure in it whatsoever for us. All the others, to one degree or another, or for a moment, for a period of time, maybe for a season, has some temporary pleasure in it. In fact, you know, look at some of the sins here. The sin of pride. You know, in the moment before the consequences come, uh, pride makes you feel better about yourself. 
The sin of gluttony, right? Talking about getting healthy. You know, have you ever had the satisfaction, the temporary satisfaction of stuffing your face with your favorite food or your favorite dessert? Um, what about the sin of anger? You know, in the moment, it, sometimes it can feel good to just vent and explode on somebody. Now, of course, there are consequences with each one of these, but in the moment, sometimes that feels good. Uh, greed. You know, when you dream about, oh, what would I do if I won the lottery? And you have all these dreams and visions of bigger homes and nicer cars and a different lifestyle. In the moment, greed can be pleasurable. Uh, what about sloth? Ever had just a slothful day, you know, where you sleep in and, you know, kind of check out of school or work? And, you know, in the moment, there's enjoyment, lust. You know, I don't need to tell you, explain why. It, lust can feel enjoyable for a moment. And then, like we talked about last week, there are consequences for that, though. So, of all the deadly sins, six of the seven are maybe enjoyable for a season, for a, for a period of time, but not really envy. I mean, because you know nobody wants to look at somebody else's situation and then themselves feel small. You know, nobody else wants to wish for something that they don't have. Nobody wants to wish that they could be somebody else and not themselves. So if there's no real pleasure in envy, then why do we struggle with it? Because we're all guilty of all these, right? I mean, why, why is it so hard to get rid of it? Why is it so widespread? Well, that's what I want us to talk about today. And to do that, I want us to look at one of the stories that Jesus told, one of his parables. It's found in Matthew chapter 20. And uh, we know it as the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So if you got your Bible with me, with you, you could follow along, follow along on your smartphone, on version, or you can read on the screen. Now, as I talk about this parable, as we look at it, I want you to understand that there is a kind of a big theme here, an overarching theme in this parable. And it really is the grace of God. It's this idea that, you know, and we talk about this a lot here at Coastal, that God's not finished with you yet. That whatever stage you find yourself in life, if you're still breathing, you know, if you're not dead, God's not done. He's not finished with you. He has a plan for your life. And so you see that here in this parable, but there's a subplot going on here. And it's all about envy and how envy can just sneak into your heart and rob you of joy and rob you of the plan that God wants to see fulfilled in your life. So follow along as I read uh, from Matthew chapter 20. It says, for the kingdom of heaven, is like the owner of an estate. Now, the owner of the estate here represents God. Heaven is like the owner of an estate who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, by early in the morning, he's referring to 6 a.m., okay? Some of you have never seen 6 a.m., but it exists. It's real, okay? It's a real thing. Um, Though he agreed to, to the pay the normal, though he agreed to pay the normal wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, so three hours later, he was passing through the marketplace and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them. 
telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that evening, okay, so that is now one hour before the end of the day, before their day, their workday ended at six o'clock. So at five o'clock that evening, he went to town again and he saw some more people standing around and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because no one has hired us. So the owner of the estate told them to go on out and join the others in his vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call all the workers in and to pay them, beginning with the last workers, the workers that he had hired at the very end of the day, they were going to get paid first, and then he'd work his way down. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, you ready for this? Listen, each received how much? A full day's wage, okay? Now stop right there for a moment. Imagine this. Imagine that you were one of those workers who was hired at 6 a.m. And you've been working out there in the sun all day long, in the scorching heat, breaking your back. You get lined up at the end of the day for the foreman to pay everybody, and the owner tells the foreman to pay everyone, and he starts with those who have just been there since five o'clock. They've only been there one hour. And he pays them how much? A full day's wage. Now, before you see what happens next, initially, you gotta be thinking to yourself, wow, I have hit the jackpot. Because if he's gonna pay them, you know, the full day's wage, I wonder how much he's gonna pay me. So the story continues. When those hired earlier came to get their pay, and here it is, listen, they assumed, again, that they would receive more. But they too were paid how much? A day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested. Those people only worked one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Did you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Obviously the answer is yes. Take it and go. I wanted to pay the last workers the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to with my money? Should you be angry because I am what? Kind. Now, I want you to notice a few things. First of all, I want you to notice just how envy just swoops in and just ruins this worker's day. And that's exactly what envy does. It makes you feel sorry for yourself. And it turns what could have been joy and gratitude and thanksgiving into misery and resentment and bitterness. In fact, when envy rears its ugly head, it does a bunch of negative things 
in your life. And that's what I want us to look at first before we talk about how to deal with it. Let's talk about what it does in our lives. First of all, number one, it robs me of happiness. It robs you of happiness. Again, you see in the story, all the workers were treated fairly. There, there, was all, you know, there was all this agreement. They understood, they knew, and everybody was gonna be paid you know, for their work. And everyone was happy until what? Until, until they looked around and saw that other people were getting what they thought was a better deal than what they were getting. They were happy until they compared their situation to other people. They were happy until envy robbed them of their happiness and it produced bitterness. Proverbs 14.30 says this, a relaxed attitude, do you hear that? A relaxed attitude lengthens your life. Jealousy rots it away. Man, those are, that is strong language. It says that jealousy, envy, it causes stress, it causes depression. I mean, medically, it causes high blood pressure. It, it not only destroys the quality of your life, it reduces the quantity of your life. It produces all kinds of stress and it robs you of your happiness. Number two, it causes conflict. Conflict between you and the person that you envy, whether it might be a relative who has a better job than you do, a friend who moves into a better house than what you think you have, uh, a coworker who got promoted ahead of you and you think you're more qualified, right? And then they got the promotion and now they're your what? They're your boss. Or it's a friend and you're both in the same field and they catch the big break and you don't. And you feel like they're moving ahead, they're advancing and they're leaving you behind. Whatever the situation is, it, it ruins relationships. It causes conflict. James 4.2, listen to this. You want what you don't have, envy. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous for what others have and you can't possess it and you fight and quarrel to take it away. Conflict. Number three, it makes you a resentful person, uh, a bitter person. Envy, you see in the story, causes this worker who's been there all day, sure, but he changes from being friendly and thankful that he's got a job to now he's resentful and bitter. He's gone from happiness to resentment. Envy, that's the way envy is. It's a selfish emotion. It makes you resent the fact that somebody might have a beautiful voice and can sing and you can't. It actually makes you resent, get this, that another couple has a good marriage and you wish that marriage could be yours. It makes you resent that someone else got the promotion and you wish the promotion could have been yours. You know, whatever it is, whether it's status or power or, or looks or, you know, whatever it is, talent, you end up resenting people and wishing those things belong to you. And it leads to resentment. Number four, it actually leads to other sin. Envy leads to other sin. In fact, you could just look through the Bible and the Bible is just filled with example after example of people who were envious and then it led to something disastrous. Let me see if you remember some of these stories. Cain was envious of his brother who? Abel. And it led to murder. 
Uh, Jacob was jealous of his brother. What's his brother's name? Jacob and Esau. And it led him to, uh, uh, to trick and betray his brother and his family, to steal his birthright. Uh, Joseph's brothers were so envious of him. Remember Joseph? He was the youngest, uh, youngest son, and uh, his dad loved him you know, the most and gave him a, a coat of you know, brightly colored colors. And, and uh, his brothers get upset to the point where they beat him to a pulp, throw him in a pit, and sell him into slavery. King Saul was so jealous and envious of the, the boy David that he, spent, he was consumed with anger, spent his whole life basically chasing after David, trying to kill him. In the New Testament, even Jesus' own disciples find themselves a time or two being jealous and envious of each other. And their friendship turned into adversaries and they're, they're fighting over the, the attention of Jesus. But then most tragically, number five, envy distracts me from God's purpose in my life. That's the biggest tragedy of all. You know, that envy, envy takes our attention off of God's best and God's plans for our life and we get consumed with what God is doing in other people's lives. And then we miss it in our own life. It's like, it's like trying to feed a toddler, okay? Those of you who are parents, you know, it's time for that, that blessed, you know, feeding time. And at first, it's just this moment of parental bliss. You and your toddler, they're sitting there in the high chair and you've got the food and you're just feeding them. And it's just a beautiful, glorious time until... And it happens all the time because little toddler kids are like squirrels with ADHD. They just, they're, they're so easily what? Distracted. And so you're feeding your kid and uh, you're you know, trying to get through this meal time and they just, it could be anything, right? It could, they could be a pet. It could be something on television. It could be somebody else coming into the room. It doesn't matter. They just get distracted. And so then you as a human being, as an adult human being, you are you know, you end up doing things and saying things that you would never do in public or never do, you never thought you'd do. You start making vo noises and voices. You do the little airplane thing. Come on, come on, little Johnny, open up, here it comes. You know, you're like, hey, hey, pay attention, look, look. And you're trying to get them to open their mouth and eat, eat some food. Listen, you know what, what's so crazy about that? is that is exactly how we are with God. We're like little distracted squirrels. I mean like, you know, I think God a time or two is going, you know, Chris, Chris, I've got this great plan for your life and I've got these, these situations that I want you to be a part of and I've got this blessing I wanna give to you and there's people all around you that I wanna use you to influence them and at first we're focused on God and we're looking and we're paying attention and we're engaged and man, it's great, it's a good thing and then all of a sudden we get distracted and we notice someone, someone else who we think has got something better than we have. And it could be money, could be a better home, a bigger car, more talent. They get the promotion. 
and we notice all those other things and we're distracted and we start thinking. Then we even get angry at God. God, that's not fair. They've got more. They've got it better than I have. And I think the entire time God is like, Chris, Chris, pay attention. Look, I've got your plan right here. I've got this great life for you. I've got this blessing for you. I've got this ministry for you. Pay attention, pay attention. And we miss out. Because we're so worried about what God is doing or not doing in somebody else's life. Psalm 37, eight says this, do not envy others. It only leads to harm. Envy causes all these things in our lives. Now, let's not stop there. Let's talk about what we can do to combat that in our lives. Let me give you three practical things you can do to overcome envy. Number one, stop comparing yourself to other people. Just stop it. You know, it's interesting that envy, in a way, is the exact opposite of pride. Now, envy and pride, they're really two sides of the same coin. They just, well, let me explain. With pride, you look at other people, you compare yourself, okay? You still compare yourself, but then you always come out on top, right? You're the best, you know, you're, you're better than everyone else. You, you look at someone else, you become prideful, and then you, you look down on them with contempt, thinking you're better than everyone else, you're the, you're, you should win every argument, you don't need anybody else in your life, you don't even need God, okay? Now, the same is true with envy in the sense that you compare yourself to others, but now they come out on top, and instead of you looking down on them, you're looking up at them with jealousy, not pride, with envy, and you're looking at yourself in contempt. Two sides of the same coin, comparison. Listen, whenever you compare yourself with someone else, nothing good is gonna come of that. Nothing. You're either going to think you're better than them and get puffed up with pride, which leads to other sin in your life. We talked about that in week one. Or you're gonna compare yourself negatively with them and you're gonna become envious and jealous and that's gonna lead to other stuff. Neither one of those things is where you wanna be. So stop it. Stop comparing in fact, look at Galatians 6.4. It says this, be sure to do what you should. In other words, hey, take care of your own business. Live your own life, okay? For then you will enjoy the personal satisfaction of having done your work well, and you won't need to what? What's the word? Compare yourself to anyone else. So number one, that's the starting place. Stop comparing. Number two, Start being thankful for who you are and what you have. Listen, one of Satan's favorite weapons in his arsenal is, one of his favorite things to do is to take your eyes off of how God has blessed you and to turn your attention towards someone else. And all of a sudden, instead of thanking God and being grateful for all the blessings in your life, you find yourself shaking your fist at God, saying, God, this is not fair. You've given them what you should have given to me. I mean, isn't that exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden? Listen, they had everything, 
They had it all. They were living in paradise. They were naked and not ashamed, right? Okay? You know, uh, Christopher's going out of town next week. It's naked week at the Rollins house, okay? Anyway, for they were naked and not ashamed. Anyway, it's biblical. Um, So, but what did Satan do? You could have more. God's not giving you everything. He's holding out on you. And they became jealous and envious of something they didn't even understand yet. Listen, envy is a double-edged sword. It causes a broken relationship between you and other people, but also between you and God. Listen, for you and I to ever overcome envy, we've got to stop comparing ourselves, but then we've got to be thankful to the very God that you've become resentful to. You've got to express gratitude. Now that leads us to step number three. And you're going to hear this, and it's going to go against everything within you, and you're not going to want to do it. Number three, show kindness to the person you envy. You're like, Pastor Chris, I do not want to do that. Listen, understand, kindness is the antidote for envy. If you want to be, if you want to get rid of envy, if you want to overcome jealousy in your life, you got to show kindness to the very people that you, that you envy. You ready for this? you got to congratulate the guy who got the promotion when you think you deserved it, even though you think you're more qualified. When that friend of yours moves into that new home or that new apartment and you think it makes yours look like a dump, you got to help them move and be kind. When that couple is always bragging on and talking about and posting 784 pictures of their newborn child on Facebook (laughs) and they won't stop talking about him or her, you gotta be kind. You gotta take them a meal. Even when you and your spouse are having a hard time even getting pregnant. And you might say, Pastor Chris, that doesn't seem fair. They have what I want. They're better off than I am. They're already better off than I am. Why would I want to add to their happiness by being kind? Listen, the misery and the resentment and the bitterness that you're experiencing is caused by envy. And it's never gonna be melted away until you show kindness. In fact, the principle that I want you to remember here, this is so important. If I've said this once, I've said it a million times. Here it is, write this down. Godly actions precede godly feelings. Godly actions precede godly feelings. In other words, sometimes you gotta do the right thing even when you don't feel like doing it. Feelings lie. Feelings come and go. You know, another way to say this is, it's easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. You know, if if you only operated on your feelings, if you waited until you had the right feelings, first of all, let me say this. If you acted on your feelings, everybody in this room would be in prison, okay? Because the person that's sitting next to you would not be here right now if you acted on your feelings. That's the truth, 
And you say, well, Pastor Chris, you're telling me to be a hypocrite. You're telling me you know, to act a certain way if I don't feel it. No, I'm telling you to be faithful. You know, if you're sitting around going, well, you know, and I see this so much in, in marriage relationships. Well, you know, I'm not gonna behave a certain way because I don't what? Feel it. And not only do I not feel it, in fact, I don't have any more feelings toward this person. In fact, whatever feelings I do have are feelings of anger. So you think by, you know, you, it's ever gonna get better. In other words, if you say, if you just sit back and go, well, if the feelings come, when I feel it, then I'll do the right thing. No, that's never gonna happen, ever. You have to go ahead and do the right thing because it's the right thing. And then the godly feelings will follow. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. And sometimes you gotta do the act of kindness, whether you feel it or not. You see, the ultimate goal for, for your life, for my life, from God's perspective, is one of contentment. That's, that's the goal, contentment. You know, many of you are familiar with Philippians 4.13, right? You might have memorized that verse growing up or even as an adult. And it's a great verse, great principle here to remember. You know, I can do what? All things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. Do you know what the context of that verse is though? Philippians 4.11 says this. I have learned to be what? Content whatever the circumstance. And then in verse 12, Paul says, I know what it's like to have plenty and I know what it's like to be in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, it kind of changes the meaning of that verse a little bit, does it? The verse is not about you know, achieving great things and you can do all things, although the principle is there, that's true, but it's about being content. Now, I want you to understand, contentment is not complacency. Those are two different things. I think, you know, as a follower of Jesus, you ought to be the very best that you can be in your field. I think you ought to strive to accomplish and to reach goals. I think that as a follower of Jesus, you ought to be the best worker at your workplace because you don't work for, for a paycheck. You don't work for man. You work as unto the Lord. He's your boss. So you ought to be the very best that you can be. What contentment is, though, is not being consumed with what you don't have. It's, it's, being, it's, it's not being consumed with what others have. You see, the secret to contentment is not having more. The secret to contentment comes through a relationship with God it, through Jesus Christ. True contentment comes from knowing, you ready? Knowing that I was made by God, I was made in his image, that he loves me, he has a plan for my life, and that there is nothing that I could do that would make God love me any more than he does right now, and there's nothing that I could do that would make God love me less than anything he does right now. I am secure in Christ, and because of that, I don't have to be envious of anyone else. I can be content, because I know that I am a child of the king. He owns everything. And it, when you get that, isn't it so silly that we would waste time being envious of other people's stuff and things because we're just passing through anyway. One day we're gonna be in heaven and all of the stuff and trappings and trinkets of this life are gonna pale in comparison to the rewards of heaven. And so why in the world 
You know, my father owns it all. I'm his heir. You know, the, the goal is that you would be content. And when you are, man, you can rejoice when others are blessed. You're not worried about what you have or what you don't have. You're being the best that you can be and you're grateful and thankful for who you are and whose you are and what you have. It's contentment. So it starts with a relationship with God through Christ. And if you don't have that, you can have it today. You don't have to walk out of here another second without understanding who you truly are in Christ and his great love for you. You know, and if you've already made that step, maybe, maybe today you've, you've been struggling a little bit with jealousy and envy. And you've taken your eyes off of all the blessings that God has for you. And you've forgotten his great plan for you and your life. And you've wasted way too much time looking at God's plan for somebody else. And you, you, you're like a little toddler. You've been distracted and, you, and you're missing it. Today, stop comparing, be thankful, and be content. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.